everyone. You're listening to Unconventional with your hosts Raj Javeri, Jirag Shah, and Dr. Summit Shah. Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology, theorizes that while 60% of happiness is determined by our genetics and environment, the remaining 40% is up to us. In this episode, or today, we're going to talk about three different kinds of happy lives. The pleasant life in which you fill your life with as many pleasures as you can. The life of engagement, where you find a life in your work, parenting, love, and leisure. And then the meaningful life, which consists of knowing what your highest strengths are and using them to belong to and in the service of something larger than you are. So basically your purpose. So Summit, started off with you. Like what, which, do you like fulfill all three part of these happy lives in some form or way? Oh, definitely not. I, I want to every day, but you know, we all uh, do a lot of activities throughout the day and in our lives that aren't really intentionally focused on what's bringing us happiness. Sometimes they may just be things that are convenient or easy to do, but not necessarily working towards that. I think we, the goal is, I kind of view these as uh, kind of the, is it like Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you start with your kind of basic pleasures every day, pleasures in life, and you move on to an engaging life. And then eventually you have the ultimate epiphany of a meaningful life. I don't know. What do you guys think is, what, how about we start with this? So let me ask you, Chirag, what, tell us how you fill each of these buckets, how you find pleasure in life, engagement in life, and meaning in life. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the easiest one is your day-to-day, right? That's going to be your kind of your, your, your pleasure. And then... Like what? I mean, well, I mean, think... Pizza. Just kidding. Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> right? your, your pizza, your, your uh, you know, your... your, okay. your we, vices, talk about, we can talk about, you know... Other your vices, things. your pizza. <laughs> yeah. Good way to say it. And then, and then I think, uh, you know, the, the life of engagement, right? It's, 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 that's the day-to-day line, right? I think that's more of the wake up, you hit that routine, working, parents, you know, living your life of, of leisure and making sure that you're not FOMO and those types of things. I think the hardest part for, for me and as well as I'm sure a lot of people is that meaningful life. And looking through all the habits, you kind of feel like, okay, these are good, like, you know, they're not things that we don't know, right? It's just more of like, how do we, how do we like get them to become from reminders, from daily reminders to daily practices or occasional practices rather than occasional reminders. And so that's why when I was reading through this, I'm like asking myself, okay, a lot of these like like habits of extremely happy people, okay, they're good reminders, but how the fuck do you get them into becoming habits? You know? mm, yeah. Raj? Yeah. I mean, Jarek brings up a good point on keeping it balanced, right? I'm guilty of that. I think I suck at the life of, uh, you know, the happy life of engagement, just because, well, here, okay, well, I have a question, right? For me, happiness is like this continuance of, of joy that you get of fulfilling a goal. And, and that's how I am more defining happiness from that. Because like, for example, let's say like I'm coding something and and whatever it is, it just keeps on being a buggy. It's like a puzzle, right? It's, it's just tons of bugs happening. And then like I finally figure out to do this one thing and it finally works. You get this like pure joy of happiness that is temporary. And, and that's just a fulfillment of achievement or a goal that, you know, I accomplish, right? Like just like solving any type of puzzles. Does that like fall into the bucket of life of engagement? I think so. Yeah. I think like, cause you're so engaged because one of these uh, that they talk about is 
you lose track of time. Have you guys ever done things where you just completely lose track of time? Absolutely. I find when I do things Absolutely. like that. Editing this guys, podcast is what I'm yeah. editing the podcast. And don't you find that being amazing? It could be like your work, editing. Yeah, like editing a podcast, making a website, making a new business, something you do for work, even spending time with your kids or us, three of us talking on a podcast. It's really cool when we lose track of time and you know, that that is making us happy because we're not worried or anxious about what's next or what else we have to do. Yeah. So I guess because I know the last aspect, right, this kind of correlates to what Summit introduced me when I was in college was John C. Maxwell's, you know, quote of how he defines success in his book, Your Roadmap for Success. And like part of it was like, you know, understanding your purpose in life and, and working for your, you know, to your fullest potential. And that's that aspect of living a meaningful life. I, I know that for me, that's defined from that perspective, because I'm, I mean, one of the reasons why we started this podcast is keep unlocking our potential. But then, you know, all of us are really huge in philanthropy. And I think everything that we do is more of setting ourselves up for future success of philanthropy and, you know, making sure our family is uh, happy and stable and, and, you know, secured from a financial perspective as well. So I, I, I know what my meaningful life is. Engagement life, I guess, Summit, you kind of defined on, you know, like having the, you know, the constant wins and then the pleasure life. So I feel like I do a good job. I guess, which is, which is rare, but obviously there's like, you know, room for improvement on um, keeping it balanced. I think that's the biggest problem is how do you find, find a balance between the three? That's where I think a lot of people struggle with. I mean, where do you think, where do you, I mean, do you think it's, it's pretty much the same for everyone? You're spending most of your time in engagement and then what? And then pleasant. Uh, probably smaller amount. Yeah, pleasant oh, think pl- pleasant? I think pleasant life takes more. Yeah, pleasant's more because like even going back you to you're like, living more in pleasant. You think you're living no, more, I think more people, time I think, going to pleasant life? No, I think more people are living in pleasant life, right? It's like, you know, getting the likes, especially with social media these days. It's like getting the followers and the likes. And so those are temporary wins. I don't think that's engagement. I think that's more pleasant than anything else. That's funny. Yeah, I, w- I was I would be thinking that, and maybe it's just a a difference in what stage you are in your life. But I feel like, at least in my life, I feel like most people live in more of the life of engagement. But you, I don't know. You know, obviously that's just a. Well, think about it. Everything's pleasant, though, like the food we eat and the coffee we drink and sex and everything is part of the pleasant life, right? Like, I, I mean, well, that's the thing. Do they integrate with each other? Summit, the definition, right? The pleasant life is is the life you filling your life with as many pleasures as you can. The life of engagement is where you find life in your work, parenting, love, and leisure, right? So I feel like there's a lot of people living that life of engagement. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe depending on what stage, maybe in my 20, I was probably more in that pleasant life than I was in the life of engagement. And now I'm more in that life of engagement. And then maybe when I'm later on in life, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I might be in the meaningful life. You know, maybe there's just different stages that you hit based on like where you are in your own life. I don't think it's stages. I think they're all like interdependent on each other and they're like cross tangled in a way because whatever you do in engagement fulfills a pleasant aspect of it. And also whatever you do in engagement may fulfill something that is meaningful or trying to reach a goal that is meaningful. Right. So I think it's kind of intertangled. I I mean, the more I think about this or we talk about it right now. Yeah, but I think it's 
I don't know if it's more, Summon, you tell us what your view on this was. Is it more like situational based, based on what I'm doing or is it a way of living? I read it as more of a way of living and these are the kind of the habits on a day-to-day basis that you would practice if your way of living is a life that's a meaningful life, not just say, okay, in this situation, it's a meaningful and this situation is more pleasant. And if I'm doing this, like, let's say, you know, Raj, if you're like, launching something or decoding something you're like in this pleasant but then when you're doing something with your family you're in engagement but i think more of a, like on a day-to-day how do we live a more meaningful life right i think that's probably the end end goal yeah i don't know you know when i was reading i read yeah. listened to his ted talk and read some of his work and i think you really have all three and all three in some ways are probably necessary like let's say you derive meaning from something well i think it's important to be engaged in something to achieve meaning because otherwise you won't you won't be able to dedicate your focus and your resources enough to make that more meaningful i think and then i don't know the day-to-day pleasures probably the the pleasures i think of as quick hits you know like food or something those are probably when you think about like the people who are really happy and really do are doing amazing have done amazing things for our world those people probably can forego those quick hits and those day-to-day pleasures a little bit more. Uh, but for most of us, I think all three are kind of necessary and they kind of build on each other. Like, like you need those quick hits and I think you need, you need engagement and things that where you lose track of time. And then ultimately from maybe your entire life as a whole, you want to have some broader, greater meaning pushing you towards something. I think it's like working backwards, right? So like, let me rewind it back because a lot of us are thinking like, all right, like if I'm sucking at one aspect of life, how do I fix it or or work on it? And the way I look at it is that if you can figure out the meaningful life, then it's like working backwards. Then it defines your engagement life. And that engagement life defines your pleasant life. I mean, the way I look at it. And I think the optimal aspect if if anyone is trying to have some kind of balance or try to figure out like which aspect of the life that you need to do more of, I think that if you can figure out your meaningful life, it becomes a domino effect because that dictates your engagement and the engagement dictates your pleasant, you know, components. I'm not sure if you guys thought about it that way. Ooh, silence. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't. No, you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I was actually, I was just going off on a tangent about thinking about that, that the statistic, right? Something that you introduced was, what was it? 60% is of our happiness is based on our nature and our environment. Well, genetics yeah. and environment. Yeah. Or genetics and environment. And 40% is up to us. I mean, that's 60% is quite a bit that's not in our control. Yeah, that is. And that's a good way to look at it. I think they, this is focused on the 40% that is up to us, but that's a great point, you know? And I think, yeah, we and, and most things, I think we underestimate the effect of genetics, but that's kind of looking at the uh, glass half empty, right? And we got to look at what we can change, not the things that we can't change. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a curveball here because now with technology being involved, evolved, but like CRISPR, like can we, and, and the ability to change our environment, is it possibly to actually change the ratio now with technology, or even for the future? of like not a lot, like really dictating what the genetics are going to be and what the environment's going to be. Oh yeah. Um, and I, do you think you can? I, I don't oh, think you I think in the future, you know, I just like, obviously IVF is a thing now where we select embryos uh, that are stronger versus weaker. Obviously 
Uh, sex selection is very common with IVF and maybe some other uh, less common of uh, conception. But I think my my guess is, and there's probably other people who are way more, uh, have far greater expertise in these areas, but I'd say maybe what, like 20, 30 years? Definitely by our kids' kids' generation, uh, we're thinking about movies like Gattaca where people are engineered to take away a lot of negative traits, whether they be, uh, you know, mental illness, cancer. Uh, but I think happiness kind of falls into that. Really? 20, 30 years? You think 20, 30? I, I mean, I'm looking at it like from 15 years, 10 to 15 years because... Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'd say at the very latest, I think. I think at the very latest, our kids' kids' generation, I think, I think, I agree with you, Raj. I think that there'll be some regulatory issues, uh, obviously, but that technology is really not that far away for us to... I, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would disagree. I think that there's probably going to be, there would be a huge amount of mountains of regulatory issues going into that space, right? And I also think, it turns into a nature versus nurture argument, right? Maybe we might be able to control these traits and we're only we're only tackling the genetics part of it, but our environment may still be our environment, right? What your up- upbringing is, who you surround yourself with. Do you surround yourself with other happy people or more negative people? Do you surround yourself with people that are more entrepreneurs or more uh, people that are more, I don't know, like in, you know, other types of areas, like I think mindset and, and who you surround yourself with and your upbringing and all of that, I think still are going to play a major role outside of just genetics, right? We're talking about just controlling genetics, but I mean, how are we going to control the environment? Well, I think the whole environment, I think the environment aspect is kind of vague, right? Like our upbringing was a little bit different and we came out to be different people. Like we're, we're in a different hierarchy or not hierarchy, but we're at a higher tax bracket than we were when we were born into a certain environment. And I don't know what defines negative and positive influence from a environment, even though let's say you were exposed to negativity in a toxic environment. What if your mindset encouraged you to be like, hey, I never, ever want to live in that environment or expose that to my children? Yeah, I don't really buy that. You know, we both had, all of us had two parents, no substance abuse among our parents, no major physical abuse or rape that I know of, at least, among our parents. I mean, those, just those three simple things, I could probably go on and list another 10 or 15 things that would have devastated us. And I could tell you that if any of those three things were present in my life, it would have drastically reduced the chances of me succeeding in life. I don't think I have, I would have had the grit or, you know, uh, the perseverance that I may have, but there's a good chance I wouldn't have. So I think environment, I agree with Chuck, I think environment is really important. But what if you were genetically altered to survive in those extreme conditions of environment? I think that type of, that level of genetic engineering is, we're talking, because that's so, you know, we're talking essentially, I, I, I think that is so far out and so difficult because we don't even know, we, you couldn't even, even if you were to perfectly select every single gene in a human, there's a good chance that they may not survive that atmosphere. So yeah. I don't know. I think that's I probably, agree. you know. I agree. Yeah, and, I, and I don't know if we're ever going to be able to isolate every single trait like that. I yeah, mean, I mean, that we're people, talking like, you know. Hey, like we're getting closer to $100 like full human genome sequencing by Illumina. And then like deep genomics out there using AI to identify every single gene that's out there. So, I mean, I don't say it's impossible. I think that it's already like we're halfway there or even more than halfway there. 
I'd say wow. we are, well, no, because I think the easiest part is, so first is identifying what the genes are. That's step one. Okay, that's the easiest part. The next step is, okay, now identifying what genes lead to what traits. That's harder. The third step is, okay, now we've identified what genes lead to what traits. Now, how do we modify those traits? But that's the thing. The hard part, the easy part was sequencing. And then the five, and every step gets harder and harder. And then the final step is, how do we implant those genes into embryos and genetically engineer them and make sure they're viable? And that's even harder. So we're like, just sequencing the genome is the, by far the easiest. It's like, you know, we've, it's the easiest step in the four step or five step process. It's not, it's not sequential, right? All of these advancements are happening in parallel today. Right. And, and you're, 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 you need to add in the variable of how technology is evolving with AI and quantum computing that that's going to speed up the process. Yeah. So you got to remember that there's going to be exponential growth. And that's why I think it'll probably be, I think some basic engineering is definitely going to happen where we screen out cancer uh, genes, which we haven't done yet. You know, basic 101, just if you have the BRCA gene, maybe you're, you can genetically engineer so your kid doesn't get it. You know that, yeah. but, but guys, you guys aren't talking about illness, right? You guys no, exactly. About, you guys right. are talking about mental health yeah. and emotion. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, this is it's a black much and white. more complex. Yeah. further down the line. Throw in brain computer interfaces then. then throw in BCIs in there too. Then that in order to to manipulate how we you know how the neurons are firing in our brain too now. So like, dude, but Raj, look, I've had, I've had. I've grew, I've grown up with plenty of ups and downs, emotional ups and downs. It runs in my family. I'm aware of it. I accept it. I go through massive ups and downs. I'd say many normal people might have, let's say, six to ten of these ups and downs in their in their lifetime. I probably had fifty at this point. Okay, I call them ups and downs because the ups are up because the downs are downs. Now, let's just say genetically, you're removing all my downs. The ups are no longer up, right? It's not a, it's not black well, and let's white. Let's say not genetically. Right? One, uh, emotions exist. Emotion exists because of other emotions, right? Like otherwise, it's just absolute. But what if you start using brain computer interfaces? Like, let's say Neuralink is like now Elon's little, you know, brainchild that's happening. And then like in 10 years, it's more feasible to do implants to really control and fight things like depression and bipolar disorder and certain mental illnesses because now. But maybe those are healthy, but maybe those, but those could be healthy, right? Those are natural. Oh, good that's, point, the way of, that's the way of our body naturally evolving, right? Yeah. Depression and a lot of these mental health illnesses maybe did not exist thousands of years ago because mm. they weren't in the type of environment that we're in today. But our minds adapt, right? Our bodies evolve, right? And maybe so it's developing grit and perseverance because maybe if you encountered no hardship that your mind processes hardship and had no moments of even brief, down, depressed mood, maybe we wouldn't be as resilient. That's a good question. Yeah. And, and not only that, maybe, and, and to be honest, this may not even sound that well, but like, you know, maybe it's just your mental health can just be a form of survival of the fittest, right? And and I and I hate to say that, right? Because I think there do there does need to be more support and there does need to be more awareness around mental health. But when we're talking about genetics and illnesses, when we're talking about the meaningful of life and whether we're living pleasure or engagement, it's it's I think it's more emotional driven, right? I don't think yeah. it's, they're they're driven by controllable traits. I don't know, right? Like. I mean, you're talking about bio, like you're talking about biochemistry, which can be manipulated in many ways. I will say, in like the hundreds of years that we've been developing drugs and trying to study mental illness and trying to find something, right now we still pretty much have 
I mean, close to nothing. Because <laughs> all we to do what is- we're aware of, right? I mean, the pharmaceutical industries are going to capitalize on whatever they can at the moment before releasing any type of like next level cure or treatment. Yeah, I just mental health though is very much much more complex. No, I do than, agree. Uh, mental health is much much more complex. It's a lot harder to tackle. But I feel like once again, you know, exponential growth in technology, it's going to be one of those things because there's already like people using Muse headbands to, you know, fight against insomnia and and I mean all these other components using BCIs in order to really retrain your mind and how your neurons fire in order to control certain emotions. Yeah, it's pretty much so. That's just basic. A lot of it's a basic meditation. You yeah. know, a lot of the, there's a confounding variables are basically meditation has just been going on for thousands of years in our world. Essentially, they're just doing a slightly more technologically advanced version of it. But basically, they're relying mostly on the principles of mind training and meditation, which is nothing new. Yeah, mm-hmm. Raj, I'll give you an example, but I'd like to see more of it. Elon Musk, I think he's, he, he tweeted this, I don't know if it was recent, if this was a while ago, but he said, rather than, and you probably read this, rather than having baby showers, I'm going to throw business showers. So if one of my friends comes up with a new idea, let's throw a business shower so that all the people can come in and bring their resources as gifts. Now, I think that, I think, has more power and influence with regards to the success of an individual, right? Because you're controlling that environment. Then, then it does is whether that individual is going to be able to control their emotions. Like I think that sets up that individual on a path of success much better than saying, you know what, don't go, you know, let's, let's, let's try to help him from the, from a mental health perspective. Like I think some of that's natural, right? I don't know how much of that we can actually control, but I did like that, that positioning that Elon Musk made, right? I do in a way, but like I do like the power of figuring it out. Right. When a person individually figures it out versus resources thrown at them, like that individual is more yeah. educated and more hands on than point. anything else. Hey, you know, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. You know, so funny. So side note, you know, you know, Elon hasn't done anything crazy new over the past six months, you know, than he did before then in the past, like, you know, year or two before then. But man, the number of times we name dropped him. Uh, because he's now the richest guy in the it's not, world. No, it's not. It's not. Insane. It's not because it's, it's not, not because he's so a richest man. Because do. what it is is that I was talking to someone else about this. Right, every every co-founder or inventor or or other billionaire, they got lucky with timing. Right, everything that they've done was more l- on timing and and just being lucky with timing when that was you know coming out. But Elon, he does. It's no luck. He's like no. I'm I'm no, no, I'm, no, Raj, I'm going no, no, to have I'm going to have rockets land by itself. There's no luck. No no no, Raj. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm talking about the difference not between why we talk about Elon and why we don't. Why we talk about him so much more the past three to four months than we did before then? Because he's throwing out more stuff. Now he came out with Starlink, where we're gonna have satellite he, internet. Right? Yeah, I don't think that's the reason. I think, I think, I think the past three or four vocal. months is just because he got a lot richer. <laughs> well, no, no, I think more, Elon. He's also being more. I think Elon was popular before he was like became the world's richest man. But not the amount of name drop we do now. Like we talk about True. him. So everyone named John. Well, not only that, he's also he's also playing right into like the trends or what people are yeah. talking about. Or but again, he's been doing you know. this for like five years now, or three years at least, or two years at least, or one year at least. The reason, but now, man, you can't get away without like a conversation or like a cycle, like any That's given true. day. Not yeah. being admit because being the richest man in the world probably does that. Yeah, and it's probably it's not probably it's probably not even just us, right? That's probably worldwide. Oh, I think every I think if you Googled 
uh, yeah. how many, you know, how many hits Elon's getting now versus just three months ago when he hasn't done anything different in three months except that stock. He, he, look, but right? he's manipulated. <laughs> I mean, but he manipulates the stock market too. <laughs> one tweet, one tweet about GameStop, like, like it skyrocketed, and then like same thing with Bitcoin. Exactly. Like he's he has so much That's power. He has so much world. power. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I think like. <laughs> it's, but, but okay, not it's, healthy. I think it's, it's also. I mean, even when he it, it, I think it's back to like the value that society places on people who have money, and not necessarily just because they are doing something great, but just because they are rich and just yeah. from a monetary standpoint. I just I let's go. That, let's you know, go back to the original it. topic. We yeah. definitely went on a tangent, but like, <laughs> but like, let's. I mean. Hey, Elon, if Elon doesn't make it into a conversation, <laughs> then we're not really having a podcast, especially on Clubhouse. There you go. So, so Elon's living a meaning, meaningful life. We all agree on that then? <laughs> I mean, we, we... Or you think he's, you think he's living in the pleasure? <laughs> I think, I think, I think... I don't know. I hear he's got a pretty fast Tesla. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, 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 put, he put rocket <laughs> thrusters on his roadster. So, I mean, that's something I definitely want. But, no, the, I guess the biggest question here is, like, for those, like, do you guys agree that if you could define meaningful life like everything else will just fall into place or do you really believe that we should keep a balance and work on all three in a way and i think that pleasant life is just more organic than anything else yeah i think the pleasant life is like that that quick hits which i could probably spend less time on if i had to choose you know and not put so much emphasis on on the quick pleasures in life you know whether it's like ooh, i just got a text uh, from someone or ooh, i just got a positive comment at work from someone <laughs> or you know like yay i'm doing great instead or hey i just got another five follows today on whatever social media site i could probably spend less time on that more time on engagement where i really am in a task i'm not distracted by my phone i'm not distracted by you know what's going on at home i'm just like completely engaged in the task which hope with hopefully an overarching goal towards meaning um in life and just gradually working towards the meaningful goals. That's my take. Chirag, up to you. I think I'm still sticking with like defining meaningful life and purpose, which dictates your engagement. And, and, you know, it's all about what type of lifestyle you want to live and what type of meaning you want to give to your life and what type of person you want to be. Right. So that potential aspect. And I think that dictates your engagement life, which then I, 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 I'm a firm believer of really understanding your purpose because then everything else is more dictated from, you know, it's, I guess your engagement is, has a purpose in a way. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say, I'm, I want to, I want to, I think, practice more and challenging myself to to be mindful of simple pleasures. Some of the things that were listed in the article that some of that like challenge myself to lose, challenge myself to consciously lose track of time in something and understand like why I lost time in that. Right? Like, what was it about that action or activity or something that I was doing that really provided meaning so much so that I lost track of time? Right? And you know, some of the, some of the easier ones are like spending time with my kid and those types of things, losing time. But even in, even during those times, I'm like watching the clock about, okay, when can I put it, you know, when can I put it in app? When can I put it in app? Right. So I think just challenging myself. What about binge watching a show? <laughs> because you lose track of time there. <laughs> oh, hands down, dude, hands down. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Like next episode, skip intro, start it. Let's go. Like first line. You know, like, you know, like the, you see Netflix, they're, short, they're cutting the time short of like, let's make sure they can engage into the next episode as quickly as possible, you know? Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's so much marketing out there. I thought, yeah, with streaming TV, it's hard, it's addictive. 
Ah, yeah, that one's a huge one. I, I you got to use, I don't know if you guys use uh, the time limit feature on your cell phone, you know, like, give me 15 more minutes, give me 15 more minutes <laughs> on the iPhone. But uh, it's still better than nothing, I think. I just started it is, using yeah. it maybe a couple of months ago. and I'm, you, I'm get really like a little, you get a little, like, reminder at least, right? Like, your conscience. Yeah, it locks you out, yeah. yeah. Got it, yeah. Well, awesome. I like it. Well, uh, Harry, what, what do we want to leave the audience on it? Yeah, I think that uh, just kind of think about the three different types of pleasures and three different types of happy lives and, I don't know, being intentional with how you're living your life and making sure that you are guiding it towards a way in which brings you happiness, engagement, and fulfillment. Yeah, and you like that. Well, there you have it. How are you going to define keep a balance of all the different happy lives right like is it more meaningful is it more pleasant is it more engagement right and obviously you've seen three different perspectives on how we define what how to have that fulfillment of a complete happy life right so i think it's up to you guys how will you guys define what a happy life is and how are you guys going to keep that balance until next time you'll listen to unconventional 